0: It's all about Jesus. has nothing to do with us. has nothing to do with what we want. It's about honor and reverence toward Him. We magnify Him. We glorify Him. We lift Him up because He's worthy of adoration. Hallelujah. He's worthy of adoration and praise. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank You for giving Your life. Thank You for dying for us, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What, what great days ahead. Amen. Finishing off the church age in, in Jesus' style, power, glory... Miracles, victory, and uh, nothing to be concerned about, only great things ahead, zero fear. Wow, hallelujah. Amen. In the midst of turmoil in the world, Jesus said, don't worry, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He said, a greater one than Solomon is here. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Hmm, hallelujah. That'll preach. I might even preach on that. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Buckle up. Here we go. We got about almost six hours to get into tonight, so the won't be too long. <laughs> you know, I, I'm so, I'm so, uh, oh, look at there, alright. I'm so, uh, weird about time, you know, cause most churches I'll tell, be conscious of time all the time, because I had been in the meeting when Jesus had left the building and the preacher didn't know. They <laughs> got, <laughs> haven't you all been there? I mean, the Lord waved and said goodbye and the preacher doesn't know it, he just keeps trying to preach. I'm like, Jesus left 45 minutes ago, did you realize that? Jesus and Elvis left the building. So I'm super conscious of not abusing your time. I know you're busy. Thank you for coming. I'm just blessed to get to be with Pastor David and Scarlett. Just uh, uh, friends and family and uh, their thought pattern. I love how crazy and wild they are. Don't you love that? Amen. There's something to that. That's that's righteous. Amen. I got to uh, be with Dr. Greg and, and be with him and and, uh, he, he's, uh, uh, just amazing to see that. And then hear Miss Rhonda sing like that. Golly, it's so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wonderful. And I know we've gotten into a lot of information. Uh, but there's, uh, you happen to be at the end of the church age, so there's a compression of all this stuff. Even Daniel said, Gabriel said things would be opened up to us right before the coming of the Lord. I mean, there's been things taught in the last four or five years that I've never heard of about the coming of the Lord. It's just, just there. Because Jesus wants us aware. He wants you excited, he wants you expectant, he wants you hopeful will you joyful? The whole purpose of Paul writing the letter to the church at Thessalonica about the rapture was to be happy and hopeful. Isn't that amazing? And bless the Lord's heart, he's blamed for all the bad stuff and he's not the bad guy. Come on, every good every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights so and there's no variable there's neither shadow of turning. He's just good all the time. I'm in awe uh, that he doesn't come in and appear to somebody and go, oh, by the way, I'm not the destroyer. Come on, because he gets blamed for all the bad stuff. And people romance it, like, oh, I'm just going through a wonderful storm. No, the storm's designed to kill you. I got friends that will do that. They'll go, well, you know, the storm's just been so good for me. And no, it's not. It just, it, it, Hello, you back away from your boldness when you're in the middle of a storm, so speak to it. Amen. Use your faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So uh let's do a couple minutes of review. I won't go long, because I want to get into what we're going to get into tonight. And then, of course, I haven't sang off my Greatest Hits album, but we can. It's always there, just in case you need it, you know. I haven't, I haven't done it here, but I, I've played the guitar and I've played the uh, Aerosmith uh, uh, back in the saddle uh, and played walk this way, you know. And i got verses for Jesus said, if you say that He lives in you, you'll walk just as He walked. Walk this way. <laughs> Amen. You know, that was one of the signs of the coming of the Lord and I forgot to do it as Aerosmith's uh, lead singer, Stephen Tyler, got saved. It's so on my t-shirt. It's like number 20 on the t-shirt. Uh, Lenny Kravitz led him to the Lord evangelist Lenny Kravitz. Figure that out. Come on. So we're living in a wonderful day. So let's pray. We'll get right into the Word. Lord, thank You for giving Your life for us. We once again gather to bring honor and reverence to Your wonderful name, Jesus. Those songs. That your name is wonderful. Miracle. Mighty God. Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father. Right. Uh, so soon to see You, Jesus. So we thank You for such a quickening in all of our lives to finish our course. A quickening to accelerate As we see the finish line right in front of us, we thank you for an accelerated mentality to do your will, do your bidding. And we thank you for your style, Father. It's mercy, kindness, and power, and goodness. So we thank you we get to see a display of your goodness before we leave. We thank you for souls being swept into the kingdom in such a short period of time. And Father, the destiny for this church, Lord, we thank you for for amplifying their voice in the days ahead. We thank you for divine favor, favor in this whole region, Lord. We thank you for it. And the very things that uh, Pastor David and Scarlett come to in this hour of their life, we thank you this be the best season of their life that they could ever even imagine would be so wonderful. We thank you for that. Uh, the glory of the Lord made known to them in such new ways and fun ways. We thank you for it. We thank you for us tonight, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said amen. Go back to Luke 21 for just a second. We've kind of done five minutes of review. I try to, but there's just so much stuff that I haven't gotten into about literally the nations around Israel, and how they're completely set up for the Ezekiel 38 war. And uh, uh, well, it makes me uh, intrigued that Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and now you, the United Arab Emirates this last week signed a peace agreement with Israel. Those are not mentioned attacking Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war. So the ones that are mentioned in attacking Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war are trying to build missiles to annihilate Israel every single week. Israel takes out a missile cache coming down from Iran into Syria every single week. There's no mention of it in the news here, but on the Jerusalem Post, on Heretz, and on Debka, uh it's an air attack after air attack after air attack, Israel's preemptively striking those missile batteries to keep Israel from getting nuked. So you're, you're watching behind the scenes all the stuff that the Bible said you see, so it's exciting. I mean, like when you get ready to play football and the players come on the field, you don't go, well, it's time to go to sleep. No, when the players come on the field, you know, they're going to warm up for a minute. But also, when they line up to kick off, you go, hey, the kickoff's about to happen. You've got the players for the Ezekiel 38 war on the field getting ready to kick off. So that tells me that we're going to be raptured very soon, which is absolutely bizarre to even say that. But I'm going to give you something as you go to Luke 21 there. I'm ready. Uh, this is something about timing that I don't really preach a lot, but... Uh, uh I think we can get into it for just a moment. You know, last night when we got into uh, Gabriel telling Daniel when Jesus would come, he didn't count when Jesus was born. He didn't count zero. He counted when he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem at 30 A.D. Okay? Add 2,000 years to 30 A.D., you're at 2030. Back away seven or eight years, you're at 2022, 20, 2023. So, I mean, that's, the Lord could come in one of those years. He could come this year. This is the first year we said this. This is the first year I ever thought the Lord could actually come back as the, in the rapture. I just didn't think it was time yet. But man, it could easily happen this year. So what do you mean by that? As we get closer to September 18th, I'd be paying attention. (laughs) I'd be supernaturally paying attention. I'd be getting as many people saved as I can. I'm not saying it's this September. I'm just saying there's a possibility it could be tonight. That's the cool thing about the rapture. The Lord did it that way to where you're always ready, always happy. Always ready for Him. Amen. So go to Luke 21. We know we've gotten into this, but let's do it for just a moment. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword, and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem will be trod down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we know Jerusalem's going back in 67, uh, so time's up. So in verse 29, He said, Look at Israel and all the trees, the prophetic nations around there. Their names have all changed in the last hundred years. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So he's writing this and saying this so we'll know this. Not wonder, not sense. We can know the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So that means there's, there's changes that need to be made in us. Uh, we, we don't fit church into our life. It is our life. I could preach that a thousand times because today everybody fits it into their life if it's convenient. It doesn't matter if it's convenient or not, man, make yourself hear the word. And I I commend you for coming on Monday morning and Monday nights. good for you for doing that. It's amazing. Now, we'll get into it tonight. There's going to be some stitching in your robe, contrasting stitching with little badges that show that you went to church when nobody else went to church. You'll wear that forever. People look at your robe and go, wow, you went on Monday nights. That's the first thing they're going to say to you, like glory to God. Come on. Amen. So, let's go a little further here. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all fulfilled. Wow, that's amazing. The generation sees those two signs. But well, we got about 50, so, I mean, look at all the ammunition to show us we're the generation. I can't tell you exactly when that is, but I can tell you, you're in the season of it right now. So, tag, you're it. It's us. He said, heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. You can't change this. You never hear Jesus talk about His words like that. Like you can't, you can't adjust this. In other words, you can't. Because I hear people trying to argue about it. I say, well, you can argue all you want, but this is what Jesus said. And it's not what Jack Van Impe said. I love Jack Van Ippi. It's not what Zola Levitt said. I love Zola Levitt. It's not what Tim LaHaye said. I love Tim LaHaye. Not, not what Chuck Bissell says. What Jesus said. So it's kind of hard to mess that up. It's in red letter in my Bible. So we have all the other signs. So you got the Hebrew language restored. You got Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the Uh, revival of the Roman Empire. You got the, all the things, the Temple Mount Institute. You got the predatory birds. You got foxes showing up on the Temple Mount. Fish showing up in the Dead Sea. The ritual baths around the Temple Mount filling up with water. First time in 2,000 years. All these little things happening right now. (laughs) Stuff happening last week. I don't even get into all the things that even happened last week. There were things that were found in the city of David proving Israel's tie to the city of David. The week before that, there was another archaeological, uh, Thing found That proves, because UNESCO is a group that's trying to take Jerusalem away from Israel. Listen to this. The day that same-sex marriage was passed in America a few years ago, President Obama put the uh, rainbow on the White House. You know what else happened that day by our Supreme Court? This will freak you out. The U.S. Supreme Court passed. If you're born in Jerusalem, you don't have Israel on your passport trying to take Jerusalem away from Israel. Just like if you were born in Washington, D.C., you'd say you're not an American. Well, of course you're an American. My friends that were born in Jerusalem, they go, what do you think I am? I'm an Israeli. So the Bible says the Antichrist will try to change dates and times and history. So they'll try to take Jerusalem from Israel because they want that to be their capital. Why? Because Lucifer wants to reign where Jesus is going to reign forever. So you see that unseen battle going on for that piece of real estate right now over the Temple Mount. Things happened last week over the Temple Mount with Jordan. Jordan said to Israel, hey, we can't change the status quo of the Temple Mount, thinking that Israelis were getting close to going up and praying on the Temple Mount. I can go up on the Temple Mount, but Israelis can't. Isn't that crazy? They can't, wouldn't it be weird if well, you can go to, you can be in America, but you can't go to Washington D.C. You're not allowed to. How weird would that be? That's how the devil is. So let's get into some more tonight. There's tons you could get into. You had the blood red moons, you had the Bethlehem star, you had the Mercury, doing the flyby of the sun, went down directly over the temple mount at sundown. I mean, there's all these little things. There's even more signs. There's more. uh, The the Revelation 13 sign a few Septembers ago was the woman clothed with the sun, with the cluster of stars. All that happened. All that stuff that's more than you can get into in one evening is happening that pushed to show us that the Lord's going like this. I'm about to come back. He's so kind and so sweet. He's given a sign after sign after sign so that we won't miss it. So that we're excited. It's all about having expectations that we're not going, oh my God, what are we doing on the earth right now? No, I'll tell you what we're doing on the earth. You set your life up. Remember, I said it this morning, Daniel's already prophesied about you, said you'd know your God, you'd be strong, and you would do exploits. You know, I was going to tell this story. Go over to 2 Peter. I was thinking of it earlier as we were coming in from the car. It's funny how the Lord will spur things up in you. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1 or chapter 3, I don't know which one it is yet. I was preaching somewhere in the south, either Georgia or Kentucky a few years ago. Maybe about seven or eight years ago. And uh, I'm kind of weird about preaching on the power of God, how we have dominion and not to worry about things. You know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free from the law of sin and death. You know, Lake had the bubonic plague, uh, and it was all around him, and everybody's dying. He would not dying. He said, well, I'll tell you why I'm not dying. Put the, micro- put the plague on the microscope. I'll touch the edge of the microscope. And the plague died. And he said, that doesn't happen by accident. How does that? Why? He he would go in front of the mirror every day and say, God lives in this man. God lives in this man. Amen. So I was preaching in Georgia or uh, uh, Kentucky. I can't remember where it was. And these three, two nurses came in in yellow hazmat suits. This is way before COVID. I mean, yellow hazmat suits. Walked in with a woman in a hazmat suit, and she had some weird virus. And they said, well, you pray for her. I said, sure. I said, well, she's going to take her mask off. Oh, no, 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 it's too contagious. I said, no, she's to... and this is not a mask like we're wearing now. We're talking the whole yellow suit. I said, she's got to take her mask and hat off. She's going to breathe on me. I'm going to inhale. She's going to get healed and I'm not going to get sick. And they're like, oh, no, no, that's crazy. I said, no, come on. So the lady took, her ma- took the mask off. The nurses backed up because they didn't want to be around to breathe. I said, breathe on me and I'm going to inhale. Well, I prayed for her. She got healed. I didn't get sick, but I've been smoking cigarettes ever since then. No. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Good to see everybody. God bless you. No, I love to tell that story. I'm sorry. But, but there, there should be a dominion in us. Amen. That doggone cigarette devil got me right there. No, there should, there should be a dominion in us. To where we have zero fear. Zero fear. Zero fear. Amen. To where you can't even work up a fear. Amen. I mean, can you imagine having perfect love casts out fear? He loves you. He loves you. He's watching over his word to perform it. So I want to get into probably the most important thing I could preach on about the coming of the Lord. Let's get into it here. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll just get into a little. There's a lot of verses we'll get into, but we won't be here too long. We'll be strengthened, we'll be blessed. 2 Peter chapter 1. Skip down to verse, oh, there's all this good stuff. Verse 6, he says. Well, verse 5, he's talking about adding some elements to your faith in verse 5 of Second Peter chapter 1. He says, besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge. That word virtue there is not the word moral purity, it's the word valor or a lack of caution to your faith. And that's something, the first thing Peter said to add to your faith, because right now it's all, well, let's don't make, sure, make sure we don't offend anybody, make sure everybody's happy. No, the first thing he said to add to your faith was a lack of caution. And I think Pastor David's probably the number one poster man for a lack of caution in his faith. Amen, I love that. You fit right in with your pastor, amen? So he says, at godliness, brotherly kindness, in verse 7, to brotherly kindness, charity, or love, if these things are in you and abound, they'll make you that you're neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word barren, there's the word idle. You add these elements to your faith, it makes you productive. And that's what we want. I think of my mom, and we'll get to more of this in a moment, but my mom, before she got a hold of the Word, she's afraid of everything. Before she got a hold of the Word, she put three or four life jackets on me when we go skiing. Belt life jackets, I look like the Michelin Man. She put extra life jackets on me just in case one of the life jackets might come off. I'm like, Mom, this is weird. How weird is this? She's just paranoid. Before she got a hold of the Word, if I had this mic on, she'd go be careful. The mic might spark and the the electricity will kill you right there on the spot. I'm like, Mom, that's not going to happen. So she's just afraid of everything. She got a hold of the word. She got in Kenneth kind of taken stuff in 1970. To the point in 1970, I was on my bike. I was eight years old, flipped off my bike. I'd made a ramp, flipped off my bike and cut my face wide open. My face, cut it all the way up into my nose like that. Come walking up into the house. My sister Marlo's playing the piano. She looked at me and screamed because my lips are flapping and I'm bleeding everywhere. And my mom, I walk up to my mom and she goes, don't bleed on the carpet. We got prayer meeting tonight. <laughs> she didn't care if I bled. Just don't bleed right here because we got people coming over. Seriously. She goes, you can bleed all you want, but don't bleed here because people will see it. Now, there's a transformation. Something happened to her that she's not moved by what she sees or not at all. And watch what happens when you get like there. Because here, here he says, if you add these elements to your faith, you won't be idle. You'll be productive. Now, watch what he says. But he that lacks these things is blind. He cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. If you do these things, you'll never fall. He said you could do something to make your calling and your election stable. That's pretty radical. Wouldn't it be something that we could get into that was so strong that if I didn't see you for five years, i know you hadn't missed a beat? Let's go a little further. In verse 11, this is what I'm going to try to preach on tonight, just taking me a minute, we'll get there. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now Peter, hey, he's talking about, hey, I must shortly put off my tabernacle. So he's telling them to do some things with their faith that will cause them to have a triumphant entrance. Jesus is your entrance. His blood is your entrance. but There's still something about doing what you're supposed to do that makes your entrance better or worse. I don't, want to, I don't want the entrance to go away. You made it. Here, come go to their remedial class. I want a triumphant entrance. I think about John Wesley. What did he leave his wife? He left her a few pound notes of money. He left her a cool preaching robe. Oh, yeah, one other thing he left her was the Methodist church. I was in the middle of nowhere in Russia. I mean, the middle of nowhere. There was a concrete bunker. I said, oh, wow, there's a, a bomb shelter. What's that? I said, no, 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 that's a Methodist church. All because he said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. I guarantee you had an abundant entrance. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. Drive safely. That one over real good. <laughs> Woo! Preach it, Brother Joe. It's all over. Here we go. All right, here we go. Come on. So here, Peter's going do something with your life that makes it eternal, productive. Add those elements to your faith so that you're a producer and it makes you have this triumphant entrance, because that's what we want. We just want to make sure we do what we're supposed to with our life. So with that, go to first Timothy. Run over there for a minute. We're going to get to your next appointment here in just a moment. First Timothy. Chapter six. I think Pastor Scarlett was preaching on this the other night, but I want you to look at something in there for just a moment. First Timothy, chapter six. If I can get there, my pages are sticking together. First Timothy six. Look what he says here, and we all know this. He says in verse twelve, "Fight the good fight of faith." Verse twelve, "Lay hold on eternal life." Hmm. So you can do something to lay hold on eternal life while you're here. He Whereunto you're called, and you profess a profession. Before many witnesses. Now, this is pretty cool, right here in verse 14. Well, verse 13. I give you charge in the sight of God, who quickened all things before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Now, here's verse 14: that you keep this commandment. You don't hear this commandment preached very much, but keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, He's telling us something to do just before Jesus comes. Keep this commandment right up until the coming of the Lord. Without spot, unrebukable. And he goes into detail about what it is. Look what he says. Verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, watch, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So he's saying you can do something tangibly right now that gets you prepared for eternity, and, and lays up in store for yourself some things about eternity. Pretty crazy. And that's what we're talking about tonight. If you could name my message tonight, it's being eternity-minded. I want to get into tonight your next appointment right after the rapture, and that is the reward seat of Christ. Because we had a tendency, you know, we get, we came out of groups that thought your works got you to heaven. and We know that's not true. Or the blood of Jesus gets us to heaven. And then we kind of cruise. Like, well, if my works aren't going to get me there, why should I hustle so much? All the more the opposite Knowing that it's not our works that get us there, but there's something that we can do that will build for eternity. Yes, so let's look at it. go over to uh um, first or second Corinthians you pick out a Corinthian. We'll see if you're right. Here we go. I know they're good Corinthian people, so let's let's find the right one. Look at first Corinthians chapter two, and I'll see if that's it. Um, we'll go to chapter three. I was wrong. First Corinthians chapter three. Now, I, for some interesting reason, this is super important to the Lord. In fact, in 1987, He appeared to me. I was praying in my middle bedroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I thought, man, this presence comes in the room, and I started crying. I thought, man, why am I crying? It's not normal for me to cry. Look up, and there's Jesus right there in a white robe. And He told me to preach on the coming of the Lord. And I said, I don't want to do that. He goes, it doesn't matter what you want to do. It's what you're supposed to do. And uh I, I just thought of it. It was weird. You know, I equated the coming of the Lord preaching to John the Baptist, like locust burgers and... Camel hair, you know, robes and all that kind of stuff, you know. So about three years later, I was staying at some friends of mine's house. I'm over Tom and Judy Hicks, John, uh, Mark Brazier's sister and brother-in-law. I'm up there at their house in Michigan. Now, I'm in the middle, his, his study, my, uh, Tom's study has all these walnut walls. So I'd go in there and listen to Sandy Patty tapes because she'd sing about Jesus. I was desperate to hear songs about Jesus. So I'm in that room getting ready to go preach all over Michigan, kind of, kind of basing out of that city and out of that home. Different years. This was 1990. And uh, man, I'm sitting in that room listening to Sandy Padgettapes all of a sudden that presence comes in again. I go, man, look. And I thought, man, Lord, you're just too good. You're too kind. Look up and there's Jesus right in front of me. White robe, olive green sash. Had his hands uh, back behind him his back leaned up against my buddy's desk right there like he's kind of leaned up. not kind of sitting on his hands. He just looked at me. Now, you think of all the cool things you'd say now. Like, could I get you a Diet Coke? Uh, you know, uh, how how have you tired? Well, what do you need? You know, Abraham killed a cow and they had steak right there. So, but you're so freaked out because there's God right there. Now I'm looking at him; he's not critiquing me. That look is not critiquing me, not judging me, not analyzing me. I love you just the way you are, even though I had missed it. He he didn't even he could have said, "Hey, loser! I told you to preach on this, but he didn't do that." His goodness led me to repentance. I went to the next church; I'll never forget. I ran over the. Not as good as Pastor David has. I've seen Pastor David do it on those seats that fold up, and I saw you do it one time when I thought, oh dear Jesus, that's a miracle, where he ran over the tops of the seats. I didn't do that, but I went crazy preaching about the coming of the Lord. So what I'm going to get to here in just a moment is super, 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 super important. Because it will bless you, it will strengthen you. Okay, get ready. Here we go. Second, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Here we go. Verse 5, verse 6. I have planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know how we are kind of like, well, I'll be obedient if I get to plant or I get to water. We, we all figure out, this is how obedient I'll be when I get to do one of these jobs. He said, it doesn't matter what you do, just do something. God's going to give you the increase. And then He gives you a little bit more in verse 7. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth. God gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Now watch this. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I don't like that word. I wish they hadn't even put that word in there. So your reward's gonna be tied to your labor. Wow. For you are laborers together with God. Your God's husbandry, you're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another build thereupon, but let every man take heed how he builds. So he's telling you to pay attention to what you do with your life. Now watch this. For other foundation can no man lay which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work, circle the word work, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. What you've done for the Lord is going to preach for you right there. Now what we're getting into here is not the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the reward seat of Christ. It's a mistranslation. The Greek word is bema, B-E-M-A. We all get this mentality. Now, preachers do this to manipulate people and have a wonderful picture for their newsletter. They scare people so bad. You better get ready. The judgment seat of Christ is coming. No, you're not going to be judged for your sin. At the judgment seat of Christ, He's going to analyze your works, whether they're gold, silver, and precious stones, or they're wood, hay, and stubble. He's analyzing the motive of your heart. Even when you have a motive to do good, you're going to get rewarded even when you weren't able to, but you meant to. The motive of your heart is examined at the reward seat. Just like in the Olympics. Have you ever seen someone get up on the podium? That word podium for the Olympics is the word bima. It's the reward seat. Have you ever seen somebody go, Oh my God, I'm going to go get a gold, silver, or bronze. I can't get up there. That's what's been taught to the church. It should be taught to you, you're about to be rewarded for everything you, you did for the Lord. And the things that you did with the wrong motive is going to burn up right there in fire. You don't want a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble all above the ground. What people see you do, you probably won't get a reward for Gold, silver, and precious stones are all below the ground. It's the hidden things of the heart that He's going to reward you for openly. You don't want the angels, all of a sudden we get up on the, the reward seat of Christ. You don't want the angels, to go, you might want to back up. This is not going to be good. <laughs> Oof, what was that? That was Brother Greg's work right there. There we go. No, come on. <laughs> That's a bonfire like we'd never seen before in all of our lives. Who was that? No, no, no. We want we want gold, we want silver, we want precious stones. He said, Your work will be analyzed. And then they'll preach for you. Go a little further. Hang with me. Look what he says here. If any man's work, look at verse 14, circle the word work, abide which he built thereupon, he'll see reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as by fire. So he's looking at and examining what you did while you're on the earth. And what's gold? Gold's your devotional life. People don't see that, but they see the results of that. How much you tell the Lord you love Him? Not necessarily my name's Jimmy, I'll take all you give me, but Lord, I love you. What's silver? The tongue of the just is choice silver. Okay, the precious stones are your prayer life. When you, when you pray for people, you go into the priest, we go into the presence of God for the people, not for himself. There's things that we can do that are unselfish that prepare us for eternity. So what we want is when you go to the reward seat of Christ, when that fire hits your life, there's not so much wood and hay and stubble, well, there's some gold, silver, and precious stone, because you will adorn yourself. Look at Pastor David, he's got gold there, he's got gold there, gold there. You will adorn yourself with your faithfulness. You will wear your faithfulness for eternity. And your robes will be indicative of what you did while you're on the earth. Each layer of your robe, the first layer will be what your vocation was. Different things, there'll be different contrasting threads right here that'll show that you went to church on Monday nights. There'll be things on your robe where people will instantly walk up to you and go, "Wow, you were you were service oriented. You you were unselfish. You were a blessing. Your what you wear will preach for you, just like the military. You ever seen in the military? A general, he walks on the plane. He's got those stars right there. I've never seen a private go, "Hey, general, how's it going, buddy? How'd you get them stars?" No, a general doesn't have to say a word, man. His his uniform preaches for him. The badges of valor, they're called fruit. That when you see those badges on a, on a military man, those are those are called fruit. You don't want to be wearing a speedo bathing suit during the millennium. You don't, want, or any other time. <laughs> you don't want people looking at you and going, "Aha! I never did anything during the church age." I mean, I, th- I talked about my mom a while ago. My mom had a triumphant entrance. Man, she was a crazy prayer lady. My dad, though, mocked God, cursed God his whole life. He took me to bars. Took me. <laughs> said that religion is going to wear off. That religion of your mother is going to wear off. So he tried as hard as he could to get rid of it, but didn't know it was going to last. He had a stroke on his deathbed. I walked in and led him to the Lord. He goes home to be with the Lord. Thank God he made it. But I'm telling you what, he's going to be wearing skimpy clothes during the millennium. I'm going to be throwing some robes at him, Dad. Borrow somebody's robe. No, as funny and crazy as that is, the Lord wants to reward you. Now see, it's been taught the opposite way. You watch it, you're going to get to that judgment seat, come down for a photograph. He wants to reward you. Every time you've done things that you didn't think anybody saw it, he saw it. Every unselfish act, every time you open the door for somebody, every time you did something with the right motive, you'll get a reminder of it forever. You're going to walk in your house when you get to heaven, there's going to be a plate right when you go into your foyer, and there's going to be badges right here. Went to church on Monday night, uh, worked extra, cleaned the church, did it, all these little things, you're going to walk by, wha-pow! and forever you're going to be adorned with your faithfulness. That's why it matters to do what we're supposed to do in this dispensation. It's amazing that this little time counts for so much because it doesn't just count for now, it counts for eternity. Yeah. You remember that preacher that was preaching over in South Africa years ago? He'd started about 500 churches away from his wife and family for months and years and came back on a boat into Miami, uh, rode boats back, you know, back then in the 20s and 30s. Uh, He rode a boat all the way back from South Africa. And as they got close to Miami, there was a huge ticker tape parade for an an actor that had been on a safari in Africa. And the the preacher's like, you know, (laughs) there's a big parade for this actor who's been on safari. He said, I've been over here away from my family, uh, starting churches, doing whatever I'm supposed to do for you, Lord. And he said, there's nobody here to meet me. The Lord said, don't worry, it's because you're not home yet. See, we're we're blessed now, but we're, we're, we're not home yet. We're just passing through. So if you focus on all these things for the reward seat of Christ, this is your next appointment. It's the most important thing we can get into, because right after the rapture, this is where we'll go, so at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we can present things to Jesus. I want to have some stuff to go here, this represents my life that I served you. Mm. And, then we, we the the Lamb, and then we go to the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb, then we go to to a party for a year. You know, out of all the feasts, we didn't get into it, but out of all the feasts, the seven feasts, that no, uh, the, the Lord said would be dress rehearsals, only one of them is reflective. All the other are parties. That's God's personality. He's not boring. He's not sad. He's wild. He's over the top. So think about that. Because we, we're taught that, you know, he's just kind of... Mm, the more pious and the more boring we can be, the more like the Lord we are. That's the opposite of the Lord. Oh, I think I might do Elvis on that one. That's the opposite of the Lord. Here we go. So so you want you want your life to count. Uh this is the word for the last days, unselfishness. Thoughtfulness. You say, Well, I thought it would be the power of God. Thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. We're kind of the Jerry Seinfeld generation. I've talked enough about myself. Now now you talk about me. <laughs> All right, so there's a bunch more you can get into here, but I want to keep moving. Go over to Ephesians. You just were there. Uh, Scarlett's stealing my verses. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. She just, just always picks up on that stuff and says it was my idea. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at this for a minute because I I want us to get this for a few more minutes then we'll, we'll see Pastor David may have about two or three hours of Radical preaching to get into. Look at Ephesians chapter four, and, and Pastor Scarlett was in this while ago, verse seven. But unto every one of us is given grace. So, so you have a motor and energy in you to propel you to do good. So you're you're even given grace to accomplish something. How cool is that? And then he says in verse eleven, and he gave some prophets. I mean, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Look for the perfecting of the saints for the work for the perfecting of the saints, for the work. Now, I hate hearing that word again, but why do we have gift ministries in the body of Christ? My daughter goes, Dad, do you have to yell at everybody? Is it necessary? It's necessary! So, I mean, that's not my personality. My personality is high, how's it going, good to see, and all of a sudden that comes on you and you're screaming at people. That's your call to wake people up. So they'll do some works and not be naked during the millennium. So isn't that weird how God uh, adjusts things for us in any service? How heaven can speak through anyone to all of a sudden have something in your life altered so you do what you're supposed to do. It doesn't even matter what's being preached on. Heaven gets your heart and the Word goes into your spirit and all of a sudden you go, man, i got to obey God. That's what's so powerful about the gift of prophecy. It, it, it penetrates your spirit and amplifies what God already said in His Word and it calls people nearer to God. It calls, it means exhort. It brings them out. Some fringe person in the church that might go out or they want to be a part of this, also someone begins to speak by inspired utterance, they're drawn in. Hallelujah. So watch what he says there. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, look at this, unto a perfect man. This has been taught incorrectly every meeting I've ever been in. That's not the word mature there. It's the word wholehearted. We hear preaching to get us wholehearted so we're not half-hearted. Because most of the church is not even half-hearted. They're about a tenth-hearted. Everyone in the verses, everyone in the Bible, uh, uh, Noah, wholehearted in all his ways. Job, wholehearted in all his ways. Abraham, God said, walk before me and be thou perfect. It wasn't mature, it was wholehearted. Don't blow me off. If I say you're going to have a kid, you're going to have a kid. Because that's what we have a tendency to do. God goes, I want you to do this. And you go, there's no way on God's green if I can do that. And the Lord's like, don't blow me off. Be wholehearted about what I've given you. Because every one of us have instructions throughout our whole life that we can either embrace or back away from. So we hear preaching that makes us, I'm in. And you think, of I can listen to Kenneth Hagin teaching on joy. I'm in. I can hear him teaching on fire. Whatever it is, there's such a grace on his voice that makes me go, i got to obey God. I don't even care what he's preaching on. He can be preaching on marriage. I got to obey God, because there's a, a thread in everything he's preaching is about being all in to do what you're called to do. Why? Because there's destiny tied to your life. Because you happen to be here just before God comes to the planet. So there's—I don't want to say it in a mean way. There's just more stuff for us to do than any other generation. You—you you, know—I say that sobering, but—but uh, but I mean that. So he wants us wholehearted. That's why we hear preaching, so that we'll do more work, so that we won't be naked during the millennium. <laughs> you know, people, hmm, check that out. Didn't do anything during the church age, huh? Time. Well, you know, I think of, uh, I think of wholeheartedness. Paul was wholehearted. I mean, you think of it, he was wholehearted killing Christians. <laughs> he goes, man, if I had papers with me, you talk about Jesus, I'll kill you. And the Lord goes, I can use that. <laughs> so on the road to Damascus, Jesus stands there, and, 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 and Paul goes, Lord, what's the first thing Paul said to Jesus when he ran into him? He didn't say, woo, he didn't do the chicken and the swan, which I like the chicken and the swan. He didn't go, he didn't do the chicken and the swan. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He knew the Lord wasn't standing there just to talk to him. There's something for him to accomplish. There's something about that wholeheartedness that the Lord, he's not looking for our perfection. Look at Peter. Peter's the only one to get out of the boat. Peter cut the guy's ears off. He wasn't perfect, but he's wholehearted. I'm all in. I think about one guy years ago. Hang with me just a little bit. A friend of mine is a pastor up in Canada, and he was pastoring out in West Texas. It's so desolate where he was pastoring in West Texas. This is where all the nuclear weapons are made for America. Why? Because if one went off, it wouldn't hurt anybody. (laughs) I mean, we're talking desolation. It's in the middle of nowhere. And that friend of mine was pastoring out there, and he needed some help with the children, and I say all you need is a little duct tape, but anyway, he needs some help with the kids, you know? And no one would raise their hand, you know how, you know, pastor volunteers goes, hey, we need some volunteers to go take care of the kids. Well, you know, everybody's like, I want to be in the service, and I understand that, we want to hear the word, I understand that. So he was kind of desperate, so the nephew was there, his uncle's the pastor, so the nephew goes, okay, he knew he, if he didn't raise his hand, his uncle was going to make him. You know how that goes. You know how families are like you're in, man, whether you like it or not. So, so the nephew raises his hand like that after no one would volunteer. He goes, "All right, all right, all right, I'll do it." Raises his hand. So he goes back there with the kids, and he goes, "If this is my lot in life, if I'm stuck with this, I might as well go for it." He started bussing kids from all over the panhandle. Started having a revival with the kids. So if I, if I, if this is what, if this is what I've gotta do, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make it my all. I'm gonna give it all my heart. Now the man I'm talking about is, is Willie George. Every nation you go to, they have Willie George's uh, children's curriculum. How do you get called in the ministry? Woo! It's all over me! I feel it in my hands, I feel it in my feet, I feel it all over me. No, he raised his hand because his uncle was gonna make him. Ministries Magazine said, who's had more people born again in our generation? I first of all thought, well, of course Billy Graham. Reinhard Bonkey you know, if I thought, T.L. Osmer? No, Willie George. Wow. How do you get called into the ministry? Alright. <laughs> but he added that wholeheartedness with it. Wholeheartedness. You think about that. I remember, how, how many of you uh, thought when you were born, you were born just to be slaves for your parents? Didn't you think that? I pretty much thought that's it. I mean, that's the only reason I'm on the earth is to do yard work. Didn't you ever think that? I pretty much thought, okay, they had me just to do, clean the the flower beds. My mom was a flower bed freak, you know. So you'd mow the grass and you'd clean the flower beds. And she was so into flower beds. Let's have them perfect. Of course, we'll have them perfect. So when I went to Bible school, I went to Rhema. I traveled a couple of summers with Mark Brzee, seventy-eight, seventy-nine. So I went 80 to go to Rhema. And uh, I was, you know, young. I was 17. I was on the road with Mark when I was 15 and 16, kind of like you with Norville. Yeah. And... uh So when I got to Raymond, Mark and Janet were over in South Africa somewhere, and they had this lightning fast idea, maybe I should go check on their house while they're gone, just see if everything's okay. I get over to their house, this is in 1980, while we were both at school, Mark's grass was this high. I thought, oh my God, what seed did I sow to reap this? I thought, are you serious? So of course, I mowed got the grass mowed, I got the grass off the sidewalk, got it all trimmed up, made a good edge. They came back from South Africa, man, this looks so good, why don't we do some flower beds? Oh, of course, let's do flower beds. I'll tell you, the very thing I hate, the very thing I loathe, I mean, I didn't cuss, but everywhere I spit, the grass caught on fire, okay? (laughs) I mean, I hate yard work. So what's the number one thing the Lord's going to have you do? Yard work. I mean, we talk about putting our flesh under to obey God. Most people aren't trying to murder people. Most people aren't trying to commit adultery, but they'll let their flesh rule them to where they don't do the will of God. Like, I don't feel like doing that. Really? So your feelings are more important than doing the will of God? I didn't feel like mowing the grass. Guess how many years I mowed the grass for, Mark? Five years. Pew! Yeah, thank you. And then, you know, Mark, brother Mark's doing meetings with Brother Hagan. Brother Hagan wouldn't give him any heads up. He'd go, next week, Mark would come in and go, because he knew. He goes, hey, Joe, uh, I'm doing it next week with Brother Hagan. I'm like, uh, that meant I had no tapes because I had a brig inventory because I was running the tapes. I would label the tapes, take the duplicator to my apartment, lay it beside my bed, and would run tapes 24 hours a day. While I slept, I ran tapes. Why? Because I I wanted them to have tapes for the meeting. So there's something about being wholehearted. I guarantee I'm not supposed to be preaching here Dave, but I'm the only crazy person that would run the tapes all night. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember guys at Rainbow, when I was working for Ed, I want to come over there and be around that anointing. I said, well, come help me unload the truck. You know how many guys came and helped me unload the truck? Zero. There's something about it's just absolutely the deal. So God's got stuff for all of us. I know we're we're here on Monday night and He's preaching to the choir. He wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He loves you. He's got destiny for you to do. Add that element of wholeheartedness with it and get wild. Quick, real quick, look, look over to Hebrews and we'll close here in just a second. Real quick real quick. I'll give you a couple of verses that show you about the end times connection with, with what you're called to do. Hebrews there's more in Titus, but let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews first and then we'll come back to Titus. Hebrews chapter thirteen or something, I'll find it. I can't find Hebrews. Lord help me. Look at Hebrews thirteen. We're going to watch this in connection with the coming of the Lord. Then we'll go to Titus for a second. Hebrews thirteen, look at verse twenty. Hebrews thirteen, verse twenty. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect or wholehearted in every good work to do His will working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Wow! So He's going to make you wholehearted. I love that. Now go to Titus real quick. I know it's a lot of verses but it's just good to see it in the Bible. And the connection with the coming of the Lord. I'll show you here in just a second. Titus, right after Thessalonians. Look at Titus in verse chapter 2 verse 12. Titus 2 verse 12. And it's okay to write in your Bible. Remember dirty Bible, clean Christian. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Come on. Woo, look at your neighbor. <laughs> Alright, look at Titus chapter 2, look at verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Look, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God, Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That just means that you're in. I'm in, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Zealous of good works. And that's looking for His appearance. So that's the attitude just before the rapture is you're in. I'm zealous of this. Now look at the next verse. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Wow. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. I know this is a lot of verses, but that's okay. We're... You get extra on on a Monday night. What's First Corinthians 15 all about? It's all about the rapture. They they said, "Is there a resurrection?" He said, "Oh, fools! Of course, there's a resurrection." And he starts talking about the flesh of birds, the flesh of uh, sea creatures, and then he says, "The flesh of uh, the, the glory of man, glory of animals." And then look what he says. He says in verse because of all those different things. Verse 47 of chapter 15. The first man is the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Now verse 49. As we've borne the image of the earthy, we'll also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and, breath, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. He says, look, I show you a mystery. we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. So, because of this, look at verse 58. Because you're going to live forever. Because there's a rapture coming. Because there's a change coming for your life. Verse 58. Therefore, but that means because of this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. So, tied with the rapture, He's wanting people that are radical about doing the works of God. Always abounding. That doesn't just mean flirting with it, that means abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So your 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 work will be tied to knowing it's not in vain. And what's so wonderful, the Lord wants to bless you and reward you. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I, I can't wait to see the reward you'll have for all that you've done for Him, the labor and everything you've done, you watch, man. And that reward seat, it happens that you won't be there with your wife, you won't be there with your husband, you'll be standing right there and all of a sudden Jesus is going to stand there, that fire is going to hit your life, and look at all the stuff that's going to last. Man, those hidden things of the heart that you did because you love the Lord. Not necessarily my name's is Jim, but I'll take all you give me, but you love Him. So what a great time we have. I don't think we have a lot of time but whatever time we have left, let's be wholehearted, let's go for it, let's be a thousand percent in. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I mean, I mean, just flexible, easy to get along with. I mean, if you're irritated all the time, if you're agitated, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. That went over good. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit will make you flexible, make you make you easy to get along with. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it makes there be an ease about your life. Now, I'm closing with this. I've preached a long time. Years ago, I went to this camp meeting up up in a state years ago with, actually with Pastor Mark, he was teaching, I think, uh, the nights, and I think I was teaching in the morning. And, uh, we were gonna have a luncheon for ministers, and man, like 150, 200 ministers came to the luncheon, and, uh, before the luncheon, I came walking in, I went to the hotel, uh, to pick up my family, and as I came back to the luncheon, I could smell the barbecue, so I wasn't thinking of spiritual stuff, you know, I'm so, saying, that barbecue smells good, you know. All of a sudden I had a vision. Uh, I, I'm in the back of a boat. I see a pastor that's at the meeting. He's swallowing I grew up on a lake, so I'm watching this pastor go, going side to side, going past the boat. Amazing. I'm in the back of the boat watching this. Next thing you know, I hear Pastor Mark preach out of Hebrews about laying aside every weight and every sin. I thought, man, that's radical. God's probably just trying to maybe touch that pastor or whatever. No big deal. Got into the luncheon. You know, I'm enjoying the luncheon. Pastor Mark gets up. He starts teaching out of Hebrews. I went, like, oh, my Lord, because I heard him preach out of it before he preached out of it. That's the word of wisdom. And he taught a real clean thing just about, you know, let's all get things out of our life just so we can run faster. It makes sense to not have weights or whatever. So I wasn't going to say a word. And the pastor, I guess, of that church said, Joe, you got something? I said, well, maybe I do. And I got up and I said, oh, you know, we've all got things in our lives we need to get rid of. I said, you know, the Lord loves you. He wants you to have fun. But let's take a moment to examine our lives. And when we did, the Lord said, he rebuked me. He said, don't ever apologize for your message. So, you know, that was all it was to it. And I kind of was checking out that pastor to see if he's going along with this while I was doing that. He was, he was cool, he, nice guy. I know him real well. So, after it was over, I made a beeline right up for him. I said, hey, how you doing, buddy? He goes, I'm good. I said, have you been water skiing lately? He goes, oh no, I've been too busy. I thought, you know, I could, I could miss it, you know, I'd miss it by a mile. So, no big deal. So, I went up to Mark, you know, and, uh, we're getting in the van. And to leave, and you mark. Back then, Mark had a mustache, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, I said, Mark, nananana. I heard you preach what you're going to preach for. You preached it, na. Nah, nah, nah. He goes, what? I said, also, I had a vision. I saw this pastor in the back of the boat. He's water skiing. and Mark grabbed his mustache. Oh God, oh God. He said, I went up to that pastor and asked him to come to the meeting tonight. He said, oh, I'm going into a city to buy me a new water ski. And the guy on his staff said, didn't you hear what the Lord was trying to say? Maybe you should lay aside some of your skiing. And he said, oh, Jesus would have to appear to me before I do that. So first, the Lord tried with the Word, had Mark preach out of Hebrews. Second, gifts of the Spirit. Third, with someone on the staff. Now the Lord wants you to ski better, and you know how? To, he wants you to be the best slalom skier on the planet. He wants you to have so much fun skiing that you're just blissful in heaven skiing. But don't put it ahead of your call. I mean, there's a proper order here. I like golf, but if I'm thinking about golf too much when I'm getting ready to preach, something's wrong. Yeah. So I guarantee you when I get on the reward seat of Christ, the Lord's not going to go show me your golf swing. Which, He is trying to help me with my golf swing because it is so bad. <laughs> so, so, but I guarantee you on the reward seat of Christ, He's not going to go, man, you are really a great golfer. Mm-mm. He's going to go, you did what I asked you to do. So whatever God's given you to do, lay aside anything. that If there's something that's keeping you from doing that, just go, no, I don't think I need to do that anymore. It's not rocket science. It's just peel it off. Man, I know right now I'm running my race with a third grader strapped to my back. (laughs) So I'm going to do everything I can to get rid of that third grader. So So why not do what we know to do? First of all, I thought maybe I could get Greg's tapeworm, but I don't think I can do that. Because he can eat, man. Come on. I thought, should I believe God for that? Is that right? <laughs> no, I won't do that. But no, whatever the Lord's giving you to do, let's do this before we dismiss. This is camp meeting and, you know, usually camp meetings are rah-rah, but it's almost sobering. Let's bow our heads for just a minute. And I want the Lord to rekindle the last thing He told you to do. What is the last thing Jesus asked you to do? Just, just recommit to Him. The Lord, I'll do that. Father, we, we bow before you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We're amazed about this reward seat of Christ that's so soon. So we, we take this moment to surrender our hearts as we do on, on, on coming on Monday night. We, we want to lay our hearts and our slate open and bare before you. We commit to doing whatever you told us to do. We thank you for fresh, fresh revelation and fresh assignments. Forgive us if we've missed it. Forgive us if we haven't than what we're supposed to do, but Lord, we boldly declare we will not be hindered by anything in the world, the flesh, or the devil. We'll finish our course with joy. Lord, we look unto You, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank You for great strength, Father. Great spiritual strength. Might from heaven. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know, in the old days, I don't think we need to do it tonight, but in the old days, we'd all come down and the preacher would come by and hit you on the head. Do the will of God. Kapah! Man, was that, was that necessary? I guess it was necessary. (laughs) Because I'm doing the will of God. Especially those guys that had the big rings. Remember when Ed would do it? There'd be a dent in your head from him hitting you on the head. (laughs) Maybe we should do that because it's a little more demonstrative, you know. But, uh, I don't think the Lord need to hit us over the head, but he just loves you. He wants you to have some cool stuff to adorn yourself with. He wants you to give some cool things to Jesus. So we're, we're almost literally going to heaven. So great things ahead. Let's thank Him for a second before we go. Father, we bless You. We magnify You. We love You, Jesus. We thank You for these fresh commitments in our spirits. It's just healthy to obey You, Lord. Thank You for all these people that have done what You've called them to do. Thank You for blessing them, Lord, taking the extra time to come to meetings. Lord, we give You honor. We give You praise. We bless You tonight. We lift You up, Jesus, and magnify You. You know, someone's bite is being healed. I know that sounds weird but your whether it's part of your jaw, whatever it is, your bite is being restored. Lord, thank you for restoring their, their jaw and their bite. We thank you for that. That's so sweet of you. Praise thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen. Someone, it's almost, it's almost like you have a symptoms of dizziness. Might be your inner ear. I don't know what it is, but you won't, won't be dizzy anymore. I mean, I've had weird words of knowledge. I remember at Keith Johnson's church, I had a word that someone had damage in their tongue. The pastor's wife, Tracy, came walking down. She did some surgery and they severed some nerves in her tongue. Before I could pray for her, she goes, I feel my tongue coming alive. We went and ate John that night. She spit her food out because she hadn't been tasting the heat of her food because her tongue had been numb. The Lord loves you so much He wants you to to be able to taste your food. Yeah, amen. He just loves you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say to Pastor Scarlett and Pastor David, thank you guys for having me come. It's the highlight of my life to get to hang out with and just have fun. I know it makes Jesus happy. That I think Jesus does sneak around and hang out with Pastor David just to watch him too. (laughs) Just to see what all he does. Thank you guys so much for coming. I appreciate you. you came a long way. Some of you came a long way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Bless you. Praise God. Thanks, Pastor David.